This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. If you're a fan of NPR, listening to our podcasts and live stream has never been easier. Just search for accessmedia.nz on the App Store or Google Play and download the app with the Kiwi Fruit logo. Once you've got it, pick Manawatu People's Radio from the list of stations and go find your new favourite show. Morena, ko Fraser Greg, toko enoa, no mai kiti korero on the catch up on Manawatu People's Radio. Tereo irarangi o natangata o Manawatu. It is a Monday morning. Uh, we turn our attention to things economic, either the Central Economic Development Agency or today, fielding and district promotion, uh, embodied uh, as usual in the studio by Wendy Carr. Good morning to you. Kia ora, Fraser. Um, so, yes, with the, with the, the CEDA and FDP uh, thing, it's a fortnight since we last talked and last time we were talking pandemic and traffic lights, the first traffic lights to come to fielding. Um, And uh, a little peek behind the curtain for the listeners because at this moment in time things can change really quickly over the weekend. We are recording this on the Friday morning uh, but it's being broadcast on the Monday morning so if things have changed great. But at the moment, um, people are being encouraged to download their My Vaccine passes. But from an economic and business support perspective, I find it interesting that businesses have no clue how to interact with those passes That's at the moment. That's right. We've had zero zip <laughs> Nada, Nada. Nothing. <laughs> nothing from, from MB or anywhere else to uh, figure out what we're supposed to do with those. Um, I've had some people f- f- find it very challenging to even download them. Mine was easy. I did it in five minutes yesterday. Mm-hmm. Very, very easy. If you're if you're part of a not-for-profit or something and you understand the RealMe uh, login system, maybe you've used it for funding on behalf of organisations, that does make it easier. I didn't even use the RealMe. Oh, so didn't I you? did the – because one of my staff used the RealMe one and it didn't work. Oh, dear. And so I thought I'll try the other way, just using my email address and my um, driver's licence. Took five minutes. Okay, fair so enough. So it's uh, yeah. I'm, I I have always found RealMe. I've used it in the past. A clunky system. Yes. So if you want to bypass the clunkiness, just use your email address. Make sure you've got your driver's license mm-hmm. or passport or whatever other. Because you've got to go through my COVID record mm-hmm. uh, and get your NHI number sorted, well, you and then don't go need th- to do that. Because I did. Well, they told us oh, to no. do that, so I did that weeks ago. Yeah, that was a pain with yeah. my real me and no, everything else. Because your driver's license. Well, perhaps. I don't actually know how it works. I'm just, I was going to start saying a whole lot of things but here, but this, no, I don't know. This is the point, isn't it? And everyone knows I'm a raving lefty, but the government are not. And I, and I try and justify this by saying, look, there is no playbook. We're inventing mm, yeah, stuff on yeah. the fly. This is a bizarre situation we're in and we're having to rely on technology and, and things, which is arguably better but takes longer to put in place than just everyone with a pad and a bit mm. of paper, like the good old days. Mm-hmm. Um but still, I think there is some legitimate criticism headed Absolutely. the government's way on this because yeah. it does seem a bit convoluted. It does. And I, I'm i surprised that, you know, on average, 2 to 3% of our medical staff are refusing to get the vaccine and being stood down and making the health system even more vulnerable mm, to it. Mm. And, the you know, struggling as a country to get to 90% mm. when... 
the initial narrative was 90% the cut off, but you know, let's aim for 95. Let's yeah. aim for 97. Well, it looks like we're aiming for about 85 at the moment mm. when the traffic lights come in. Mm. So it's all very doom and gloom. It is. I know. Trying not to be. I'm usually a very optimistic, positive person, mm. but even I'm sort of going, oh, and it's quite tiring because it seems that this is all we're talking about all the time yep. because we are so uncertain. And th- I mean, this is part of my job. I have to try and keep on top of all of this information to then let people know, disseminate the information, um, uncode things. Mm. Oh, yeah, no, that's fine. And that's fight fun. the misinformation. <laughs> I know. I mean, for, yeah. And, and it, it's difficult because... Mm. There are people who have read something on Facebook and have gotten scared Mm -hmm. but will not actively seek to be reassured Mm -hmm. or speak to a professional and find out the truth. They've just believed what they've seen. Mm -hmm. The people I don't like are the ones that are in charge of the uh, anti-mandate movement and Mm -hmm. I do not respect that opinion at all, Mm -hmm. saying that it's about choice and free will and you shouldn't have to be forced. Well, you're not being forced. No, you're not. But there is a mandate that if you want to work in a particular sector, you have to yes, get the vaccine. No, and to refuse yeah. that is irresponsible. And I, I, and because I'm so tired, I get very intolerant of all, and I do not respect that decision at well, all. Well, a, a mandate – there are many mandates in our society. Mm. We have, uh, Three to, waters. We are, but we're supposed to wear seatbelts when yes. we go in our car. We're supposed to drive on the left side of the road. We're supposed to do all of these things mm. that are keep ourselves safe. We're helmets on bikes and motorbikes. You don't have to <laughs> – but we all choose to because yep. we know that it keeps us safe. Yep. If you choose to drive on the wrong side of the road, you will probably kill yourself or someone else. If you choose not to wear a seatbelt, same thing. You'll probably hurt yourself mm. eventually. If you dr- choose to dr- drive drunk, you're an idiot. But also that's a, these are choices. It's the same thing with the vaccine. You do not have to do it. Mm. Um, what but I find I- most ironic is teachers – Well, MOE have been very – well, they have not been forthright in telling us how many teachers have been Mm. stood down across the country as well. I I am totally pro-choice for everything to do with your body. If you don't Mm. want to do something with your body, that's your right. Absolutely. I have no problem with that at all. Mm. What I do have a problem with is when people say they don't want to get it done because they don't want to be told what to do. Mm. That to me is just – selfish. But also when when teachers say that, I find that quite ironic because their job is to tell people what to do all day long. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's quite funny that then they say, well, I don't want to be told what to do. Well, hey, if you don't want to be, if you don't want the vaccine for whatever reason, medical, you want to do more of your own research, hey, that's great. But just because you don't want to be told what to do, We've never been, as you said before, we've never been in this situation mm. before. This is different. Uh, uh, the, the, my, my, whilst we're on the subject of opinions, um, <laughs> if you choose not to get the vaccine and say that it is your personal choice and you have a right to choose, mm. uh, thank you for potentially killing a whole lot of people. Mm. Uh, because the health system is going to be chock full of people just like you who did not get vaccinated. And as I said to Tang Yutakeri on Friday, that will mean that somebody's granny who had a simple mm. ingrowing toenail and needed an elective surgery will die through some sort of infection because she couldn't get the little operation she needed because you are clogging up hospital beds that would be very simple to do by getting double vaxxed, which we've all done. And I'm sorry, I don't see where the conspiracy is mm. around like health and uh, vaccine efficacy and everything else because I'm not seeing bodies in the streets. I'm not seeing swathes of sick people going, oh, the vaccine made me ill. I think it's also this funny thing of, well, we don't know what's in it. Do you know what's in your toothpaste? I don't know what's in the water. You know, like, I think that... I don't know what's in my coffee. Yeah. (laughs) 
well, hopefully coffee. Well, yeah, but you know, <laughs> but I know look that's at right. the back of the packet. You it's all know. science. I think that that stuff. I what I think will happen is. I mean, we already know that last week there was somebody that with the Ashurst um, cricket Case, yeah, person, yeah, yeah, yes. um, and and that it's you know it's been in Taranaki, Wairarapa, Tararua, it's here, now. it's here, it's definitely here. So those people that are on the fence, there are the the diehard people that will never ever get vaccinated because of all of the reasons. That's mm. whatever you know that, that we can't change their mind. It's the people that think that it's not that big a deal until they know someone. Mm-hmm. Get, that gets very, very sick. Yeah. So you and I, we know people that live all over the world. I've got some friends in America. I do have a friend whose father died of COVID-19. Yes. Right at the beginning of this um, pandemic. Until you know someone, some people just won't yep. Won't be bothered. So I think that's going to – I think we'll see another little surge once it actually gets into the community mm-hmm. and people are starting to get very sick. Um, but until then, I think we're just going to be sitting all, you know – We'll, we'll be a, sitting orange. This is yeah. the new terminology. Let's get back to yeah. actual business stuff. Uh, <laughs> the transition to the traffic lights. Cabinet are making a decision on the 29th of November. Uh, we can expect the move so 24 to 48 hours after that, apparently. Mm. Uh, and the whole country will move into either red or orange, mm. I understand, at this stage. Uh, no one will move straight to green. Although, you know, arguably mm. some in the South, South Island, Island, you'd think, should you'd, really be. you know, they, yeah, there, were, there were traces in the wastewater in Christchurch or mm. something, so maybe, maybe, um, but that'll get everyone. That'll get everyone good with the, the 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 my vaccine pass and everything. It's probably a strategic move. Everyone in Orange for a few days get used to stringently checking mm. all that, and then we'll start transitioning some of the regions down. Um, is is there anything in fielding of a particular large scale or or a, a large impact that will be affected by this? Because I mean. Are you aware of any places that won't be requiring vaccine certificates? Uh, there's a lot of places that won't be re- requiring them because there are ways around it. We don't have very many big venues. True. So, you know, big eateries or big yep. places. So, so if you can only have 100 there anyway, what's exactly. the point? So, I mean, most of our hospitality venues are nowhere near 100 mm. pe- capacity. Mm. So, um, But if you're not requiring vaccine certificates, that means they will, won't really be able to operate in the red level, will they? Because th- No, that's, that's right. Yeah. They will have to do either click and collect or... Mm. Um, we're still trying to work through this. So last week um, we went live with a video uh, about business continuity and risk management. So um, Jeff Graham and Brooke Rush, who work for MDC, they um, I interviewed them about what does that mean? Mm-hmm. What is bus- business continuity? What is risk assessment? What does it mean for you right now? Um, so go onto our website, fielding.co.nz, and watch it. It's only about 17 minutes long. Um, but it gives you all the, the things that you should be asking yourself if you're in business right now. What does it mean if COVID strikes my business, if, yep. if I become a place of interest, if one of my staff – goes to a place of interest or catches COVID or something happens, what does that mean for my business? What does a risk assessment look like? What should I be thinking about? All of those things. That's quite a lot of stuff to think about. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, a lot of people have – I mean, it's not unfortunate – 
people are busy. People are stressed. Yes. They have business as usual to think about. They mm. don't have time to be thinking about all of these other things. But you kind of have to. I'm sorry. Yeah. Mm. Now, uh, NPR, we made the decision to require vaccinations uh, passes uh, to get in because, as as you are experiencing right now, we're in a small confined studio mm. with not the best ventilation. We have some, obviously. We're still breathing, uh, but it's not the best. We're we're working with broadcasters in, in close proximity and, and teaching people how to use equipment. We had to define ourselves as close contact business. Mm. So that means, and it, we did that purely for business continuity because mm. you can see our performance throughout the year. You know, when there's a, a lockdown or a, a major event, yes, our performance is great because people are consuming our content, mm. but not everyone's making stuff they yes. can't get here. Yeah. So our performance peaks and troughs and peaks and troughs, and we can't keep going like that. No. It's too uncertain. Mm. Um, also, uh, sort of NPR related is events, in particular outdoor events. Mm. Are we one of the things that you have lamented uh, numerous times on the catch-up is that a lot of outdoor events like the farmer's market in the the square of fielding will be unlikely to go ahead because you can't restrict the entrance Mm. and exit and check vaccine passes. That was just sort of a Mm. market that people could walk Mm. through. Has there been any clarity around that? So uh, the Farmers Market uh, Association of New Zealand has lobbied to MPI and MB and all of those government departments to have uh, farmers markets classified as a retail space because they are. Mm -hmm. They are not a craft market, so Mm -hmm. they're not an event. Mm -hmm. They are actually a retail space. So that's great for us. It makes things so much easier because, uh, because of the size of our market, um, we will not be requiring vaccine certificates. Um, we are encouraging all of the um, storeholders to be vaccinated. Yep. And actually some of their industries, depending on where they come from, they are mandated to mm-hmm, be. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, we're encouraging. They will still have to wear masks because they are uh, customer-facing with food at this stage anyway. Who knows when we move colours, what that will look like. Um, and at this stage, we're still roping off until we know, get some more clarity around from, from MB or So will it, be, will it be like the supermarkets? You're still yes. queuing a, a metre apart to go to a stall yep. and, and, and that sort of thing. Because yeah, yeah. it's, it is a, there are, it's a one-size-fits-all approach to dealing with the pandemic and there is there are infinitely different numbers mm. of sizes mm. and it's not working mm. um, people are asking a lot of questions there's going to be some I would expect ineffective uh, responses to particular inquiries I mean it, I, I can already see holes in this farmers market idea but mm. I guess you've got the support of well at least you know it's legal in yes. air quotes it's been approved but it's still not the best is it it's hard. I mean, nothing is nothing is perfect. Um, but from from what we sell, what the what the producers sell at the farmers market, it is essential services. You know, there's fruit and veggies and all of the things that you would buy in your supermarket. Mm. So it's actually, to me, a safer space than a supermarket because there's no surfaces to touch really, mm. Mm. and you're outside. <laughs> so but, people will be wearing masks. I yes. mean, like, like the general yep. public have to wear masks. Yeah, at the going moment, out. I mean, they don't. Oh, this is the other thing where you get quite a lot of ambiguity from the government as to do we have to enforce mm. it or do we not? Can we encourage um, everyone is in, uh, is asked to wear a mask? Um, obviously, if you have a um, exemption, that's fine. Um, but we are not bouncers. You know, we're not security guards. Yep. So um, I have. We've never come across anyone that just outright refuses and is, and is an absolute. Um, 
more on about it. Mm-hmm. But um, but we do have interesting conversations. It's going to be it's, it's going to be just one weird. of those things. Because the, the other thing is, I noted uh, the, the the mandate for uh, the traffic light system and everything else. Uh, vaccine passes will be required for faith based gatherings. Now, wow. the vast majority of faith based organisations I know are very responsible yes. and will do this properly. Uh, I'm thinking about the bishop up north. Mm-hmm. Uh, Will he be asking for vaccine passes for to go not. into? It's going to. There's, but it leads me to that enforcement problem. Yeah. And, and the one issue I take, and I've done it myself in this very interview, the them and us divide mm. is growing. It is, and that's a concern. Mm. And if I was a bigger person, and sadly I'm not, I wouldn't have said some of the things I said in this interview. But thank you for potentially killing people. But it's there and it's mm. happening. And how are we going to repair that? Because trying to bring it back to the focus of this interview, there are economic implications yes. in saying to roughly 10% of the population, you can't come into my store. It is. It, it, it's, it, that is my main, major concern. And also, I, I know a few people that uh, have decided not to be vaccinated. Um, we're friends. Mm. And we need to stop thinking of them as an enemy. Mm. Um, because it's very, it's a, it is a personal choice. So I don't know the answer to these. What, what I try to do personally and try and instill in our team and our culture at FDP is kindness and mm-hmm. empathy. We will not be a vaccine-mandated um, location at the information centre because it is a public space and we do not get that many people in mm-hmm. there. You know, like we don't get masses of people all at once. But our events will be so the the the, um, the Christmas parade, the drive through Christmas at Manfield. We will most likely be at the traffic light system by then. So the people in their cars, they will be fine. You will not have to show vaccine certificates for mm, that because you're, you're in your car. In car. Yeah. But for those that are putting a um, stand or display a float in, they will have to um, be required to have vaccine certificates. So there's all of these things. We we will try our best to be accommodate. But at the end of the day. We're following the rules Mm -hmm. because we care about our community. Yeah. And that's all you can do. Mm -hmm. Uh, We are here with Wendy Carr from Fielding and District Promotion with a highly unusual opinionated uh, episode of The Catch Up. (laughs) Uh, Well, I don't try and hide my opinion that often, but other people try to. But it's refreshing to hear uh, what people (laughs) actually think. Uh, Let's have a look at some uh, non-pandemic related things that are happening in Fielding and District. Uh, We've talked about uh, the farmer's market, but the craft market is coming on the 26th of November. Yes. Uh, is that in the Civic? That one is at Manfield. Oh, okay. So this yeah. is the big one. Yeah, yeah. Um, we did just have a, uh, uh, the Mighty Manawatu Crafters were at the Civic Centre a couple of weeks ago, but this time is the Fielding um, Craft Market. Yep. So that you can buy tickets online. Uh, you can go to fielding.co.nz, go to our What's On page. It is on there, links through to Event Finder, and you can buy your tickets online. Think they're ten dollars for an adult, mm-hmm. um, and they will be following all the COVID protocols. Yep. Try not to talk about COVID, but we have to. <laughs> yes. It just comes out. Um, also, an encouragement to go and visit Fielding and District Arts Society. Yeah. They've got a, a new manager uh, recently appointed, uh, doing some good things there. I understand. Absolutely. Um, if you've never been, so it's it's located in the old Trickle Banks building on. Um, Manchester Street, across the road from Courtesy Ford. Um, if you are interested in art, even if you're not interested in art, go and have a long have a look. There's always different things in there. So there's um, you can do classes, you can do all sorts of stuff, but there's always displays and exhibits on um, and beautiful, beautiful art. Mm. So and um, it's 
local. You know, it's hyper local. There's people there from down the road. Um, producing some beautiful artwork, so pop along and have a look. It's a very, it's, it's a very arty town. Is mm. Fielding? Yes. Uh, it reminds me of uh, back in in the homeland. Uh, there's a town called Kirkubri uh, on the the west of, of Scotland, and it is a huge art town. There's just potteries and art studios everywhere, and it strikes me that Fielding is that sort of equivalent, mm. which is interesting because it's also about the same size as Kirkubri. Uh-huh. And I don't know if there's something about that semi-rural mm. uh, location that just inspires that sort of activity mm. is do you have any experience of it like uh, that i think some of it with the fielding art society and this is not a generalization of all of the members of it but um art typically people uh, either do it their whole lives or they get into it when they retire mm-hmm. um because you don't have time my dad's an artist and has been my whole life and nags me all the time that I need to start painting and I don't have time mm-hmm. or energy or headspace or literal space to do that at this stage. So I do plan when the children have left home to convert a room and all the yeah. rest of it. So it is something You that, don't live here yeah, anymore. Yeah, this is now my art studio. Exactly. So I think a lot of it is that um, in fielding itself, we do have a older population. So generally when you have older population, you have the um, interests that go with that demographic of people. Mm. So art typically is you either love it all your life or you get into it when you're a little bit older. So that's part of it. Uh, And also I think because we're really lucky here in the Manawatu, in the wider Manawatu-Wanganui region, is Palmerston North has a fantastic art scene. You know, Square Edge has been that special place, that beacon here for such a long time and thriving art scene. And so does Wanganui and we're kind of in the middle. Mm -hmm. So we get the, you know, this trail of people that come through um, you know there's the art trail every year there's the Kimbolton Sculpture Festival there's all these things going on and and um, Fielding Art Society and Square Edge and those places all feed into that stuff yeah. so Good support for the, mm. the community. Well, we hope to see an exhibition from Wendy Carr at some point <laughs> in the future uh, from the new uh, uh, new studio uh, when the children leave home. How long's that then? Oh, who knows? Are our children ever going to leave home with the cost know. of houses? I don't That's know. That's another conversation. I know my, my wife has aspirations when my daughter leaves home. There's going to be a walk-in wardrobe, oh, I think, yes. is the first thing. Yeah. Before the, the studio, which I want for guitars and things, and my stepson also wants. No, no. It will be the walk-in wardrobe. Mm-hmm. Um, now, we have to talk about... About Fielding Little Theatre because I oh it would have been when Andrew London came mm. to town uh, I saw him at the Little Theatre which I think was one of the last events that happened there before it hit the news that the place was not in a good state mm. and as it turns out has been somewhat neglected for a number of years uh, and in a semblance of um, uh, recognition of, of it uh, MDC have put their hands up and gone. Yeah, we kind of dropped the ball on mm, this one, yeah. which is is kind of good. And but they've also pledged a significant amount of money two hundred seventy five thousand, mm, I think mm. I read, uh, to try and repair Little Theatre and get it back up and running. But that money didn't come from en- uh, thin air, did it? No, it uh, came from the uh, promised money to the Johnson Park, which is uh, the rugby grounds where Fielding uh, Yellows and Fielding Oura, um Old Boys. Fielding Old Boys Aurora mm-hmm. clubs are situated. Um, and so there was going to be some money spent on some upgrades of the buildings and amenities and um, grandstand there. And so it was they were a little bit sideswiped. So while I'm really happy for the little theatre, mm. I also have my Fielding Yellows hat on because uh, 25 years of being part of that club um, gutted that, mm. that they're having to rob Peter to pay Paul. Um it's a very political topic because, you know, we do great things with our three waters in the Manawatu district, 
but unfortunately our, our community facilities have been sort of neglected a little bit and there's mm. quite a lot of investment that's going to be done need, need to be done you know, pretty quickly. Yeah. You know, stuff can't just be put off. Is it, is it a case of, you know, the, people have been looking at, for example, the library or the Makino mm. and going, look at these jewels in the crown, because Makino's awesome. Yeah, Makino is really awesome. Fantastic. Yeah. You look at those and go, our entire facility is fantastic. Manfield's great. Mm. Uh, Civic's Center, fantastic, mm. and then it's the little things that mm. are forgotten. Are, are, and are there other little things that are forgotten? I'm sure there are, and I'm sure that. But I'm sure that's the same with every council in mm-hmm. the country. Is we all want everything to be beautiful and have everything perfect all mm-hmm. the time, but the reality is we can't afford it. We can't afford to do everything. No. So we have to prioritise where our money is going. But you should be aware of, of the course. situation. And I, I would have thought, that, in fact, I'm sure I've spoken to Mayor Helen Warboys before about, you know, community facilities reviews and submission processes and, and making sure that the, that not the bylaws, but certainly the, the, the policies that the councils have are up to date. Surely that would have raised an alarm bell that Little Theatre was in essence rotting from the inside out. I'm sure it would have. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I just think there's a long list. Like we have this wish list mm. and the public and, and in the Manawatu district. And we've spent, have spent the rainy day fund as well. Oh, yes, we have. Um, and the, the, the Manawatu district and typically over the last however many years, we've had really high rates, mm. like significantly higher than Palmerston North City. And there was always a lot of grumbling about how high our rates were and don't, you know, everyone campaigns not to raise rates. But at the end of the day, if you want all of the things, mm-hmm. it has to be paid for by something and that is paid for by rates. But I live in Pahongana. I don't yeah. want to pay for the fielding library. Yeah, I never use it. Exactly. All of those things. Or the cemetery. I'm not going to be buried at the cemetery. I don't want to pay for it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, oh, I don't own a dog or whatever it is. But it's called civic society. That's the reality. And the reality is that we don't have a bottomless pool mm. of money. And you do have to prioritise. And sometimes, unfortunately, things get parked for a very long time. Like other districts and cities' water supplies. You yeah. know, like other people have prioritise different things. Um, and so I feel for I – I, I used to work at the council many years ago. I feel for everyone involved. There's no right answer. No. Uh, and very quickly, uh, before we bring the catch-up to a close today, uh, the Lions – or is it Rotary yes. Club? The, the Lions, Lions uh, Mini Golf uh, as part of the sort of the Makino complex yes. now, I suppose, next to the skate park. Although technically the skate park's next to the Mini Golf because it was there first. <laughs> Why did I go to that level of detail? Uh, it's opened up again because they, they were struggling to figure out how to do like the social distancing and everything yeah. else. But they've worked that out. They about. have. So it opened in the weekend. We are recording this on Friday, so I'm hoping it opened in the weekend. <laughs> yeah, yes. I've been told it was going to. Um, uh, yeah, so yay. Um, the, the, the amazing thing with our little um, mini golf course is that it is run by volunteers so we're incredibly grateful to the Lions Club for doing that over the years Uh, and so they just were a little bit concerned about all of the COVID protocols and because they're volunteers there's a lot of things like I I get it too like the nervousness around it I get it and you know making sure you're sanitizing things and you know and and we've mentioned it earlier on the enforcement side of things if someone isn't behaving no offense to the the volunteers but is someone in their retirement going to go up to some youth in their 20s Mm. and go you're not doing 
solving that problem. It's just mm. asking for trouble and mm. it's the them and us thing all over again. Indeed. So, yay that it's open. Yes, positive, the positive. Is, the weather is beautiful and it's the perfect time to be going out. And if you've never been to the mini golf and fielding, check it out because it's so much fun. It is. I uh, almost me, won the last game I played against my husband and my son. But my eldest son quite. is a big fan and uh, <laughs> I don't think has won at all yet, but tries very hard. Uh, Wendy Carr from Fielding and District Promotion, thank you for joining us on the Catch Up this morning. Thanks for having me. And remember, if you want to listen to this or previous editions of the Catch Up series, just head to the website mpr.nz forward slash show forward slash catch up. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition at half past eight, speaking to Colin Bjork uh, from Massey University about podcasting. Uh, I've no idea where that will take us, but hopefully it'll be fun. Join us then. Bye for now. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate.